tonight. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's not surprising that when we are selecting products, and especially important ones, that we tend to hold to certain standards, don't we? Uh, we look for various qualifications, characteristics in our shopping, in our choosing. Uh, those qualifications are marks that make a big difference in, in what we're going to finally choose, what we're going to finally buy uh, in, in our potential selections. Uh, when we choose a house, for instance, we, we have certain things that we would consider when buying that house. Maybe somebody else would think something differently, but we've got certain standards, we've got certain things that we say have to be in that home. When we hire somebody to do a particular job, we hope, we expect that these people have the qualifications to do those jobs. Uh, when we choose, uh, let's say, things that we're going to do for the landscaping of our, our house, we pick plants that fit the right spot, and they, they can get the right sun, uh, otherwise we won't pick them. Right? We might say that there's various tests, in other words, that must be, must be passed. Uh, before we make any decisions or make any selections or choices. Well, in the first epistle of John, there's this calling to take spiritual tests, make spiritual tests, test the spirits to see if they are of God. Not everything that comes our way, then, obviously, as we see the passage in talking about the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, not everything's true. Thankfully, not everything's false. But a distinction between true and false certainly exists. And it's crucial, it's very important for spiritual progress and heritage that we don't deny that. That we don't deny that kind of a distinction. Such is certainly true as well when it comes to the Church of Jesus Christ as we heed the call to join ourselves to that church. Doing so has never been something that members of Christ Church have been called to do lightly. Whether you hear the word say to us, uh, test the spirits to see if they are of God, or you hear from the confession uh, that we confess of the Reformed Church of Jesus Christ that we believe we ought to diligently and circumspectly uh, discern from the word of God, which is the true church since all sects in the world, assume to themselves the name of the church. There's a need for church members and leaders to test the spirits for the truth. And whether we're considering the church leadership or the church membership, we all have to do that. To consider what it is that marks the true church and true membership for that matter whether we're testing the church leadership or testing the church membership. What's being taught and what is being believed and lived out needs to be tested within the church of Jesus Christ. And this becomes a very practical exercise when we're thinking about the church to which we're going to belong and also as we consider what makes for the kind of members of which the church of Jesus Christ is meant to be comprised. So we take a look tonight at the calling to test the spirits for the truth within the church leadership, 
and within the lives of church members as well. So first of all, within the church leadership, test the spirits for the truth within the church leadership. While the calling to test the spirits within the church leadership wouldn't exclude church leaders itself, the confession is speaking about how believers or members of Christ's church are called to join Christ's church. Well, then you need to be discerning about that, don't you? You need to be circumspect as they make that use of that word. You have to do that carefully, in other words. The need to be discerning comes to play, especially on the members, on the people that are saying, well, where in the world should I be going to church? What should I be looking for? Joining a church is a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a significant decision to make. And people talk about, you know, important decisions that they have to make in life. Like, yeah, buying a house, choosing a vocation or changing a vocation or deciding what college to attend or when to buy a car and what kind of car should we buy getting married or not and if we are going to get married to whom and those are important things but so is choosing a church where one is going to take up one's spiritual residence, and maybe not you by yourself, but you and your spouse, or you and your children. And since you're going to be taking up spiritual residence there, well, that needs to be one of the most weightiest of decisions that one makes. Especially when you hear from the Word about how important it is that we test the spirits to see if they are of God. Certainly not if we uh, don't fall for the notion that one church church is is uh, is as true as the other, right? Just it, it would be like uh, you know you go to some store and, and you could buy gold medal flour, or you could say, well, I'm just going to buy best value flour, flour, flour. I'll just pick what I pick that way. One church is as good as another, or as good as another, or that choosing a church home really isn't that important. It's a secondary matter, and if it's a secondary matter, then really secondary reasons for choosing it uh, come into play the most. Secondary reasons, or even superficial reasons, are, are often given priority status choosing of a church. Right? We've talked a little bit about that the last time we were together, but it's, it's, it, it bears some emphasis, you know, because some, some use those secondary reasons, and some of those secondary reasons aren't necessarily lousy reasons in and of themselves, but they're not the primary ones. Right? But, but people will use secondary reasons of various kinds uh, as primary reasons. Now, now some, some might use secondary reasons if the truly primary reasons are all equal, and they can be, be very beneficial that way. Uh, but, but those aren't to be the reasons that we that become primary. 
And it, it, to be very honest, that's simply not the way a lot of people operate. A lot of people don't operate like that. Putting primary before secondary. For some of the reason to choose a church is because that's the place where most people go. And that's an easy one to get into. It's the popular place to go. It's where everybody's going these days. It's the big box church. So the very fact that it's popular must be a sign that it's a true place or a good place. Because it's big. So it must be the best place to go because look at how many people are going there. And how could so many people be wrong when so many people go there? Besides, those are the places that probably have the most to offer because they got all kinds of resources, right? They got all kinds of people from which they can draw. They got all kinds of monetary resources from which they can draw. So there's probably a lot going on. That's very appealing. For others, what's most important may not be that many people go there, but that certain people go there. Their friends, their family, or maybe a certain ethnicity. Sometimes that seems to be the qualification. Right? Uh, some people will not go somewhere for the very reason that their family does go there. <laughs> right? For various reasons. Or because they simply don't like the people there. But in any case, family and friends or, or enemies may be the leading mark as to why people attend where they do or where they don't. For others, it could be how well of a performance that a particular church can put on. And they look forward to that. Some people want to know that if they attend a particular place that they're going to get their money's worth, so to speak. Maybe the reason that, that people decide to go where they go is because the place seems friendly. They're welcomed. They're noticed. They get the sense of belonging. And that's, that's large in people's minds. And, and we can kind of understand that to an extent as well, right? We don't want cold places to which we go. Shame on us if that's, you know, right? Or anyone, right? If that's the impression that's left because we're Christians after all. But for them, that's, that's the main thing. It's the main thing. Friendliness. Some people go because it's convenient. They like when church starts or the, the options they have as to when, when they can go or, or even what day they can go to worship. So they don't have to miss anything if it happens to land on a Sunday. They don't have to go far to worship. They, they maybe like it because it's nearby that way. You know, and I can remember when I was a teenager in California, there, used to, there was a popular time then when you had drive-in services. Of course, now we, can, we have to be careful with that, of course, with online services, right? People can just plop on the couch. But there's a place for that for people who are in need. We get that. But, boy, back in my day, I can remember, and I, I did it too a couple times as a teenager. Yeah, Mom, I'm going to go to church. And, uh, and then I was going to go out with my friends afterwards. But 
there were a couple of times I remember, you know, going to New Life Church in Artesia, and they had a drive-in service, and there were a few of them like that. It was like going to a drive-in movie. And they'd even come by to your house or to your car and collect the offering. That was convenient. People didn't want to get into church, could be around the church and be close to it, but not in it. That was convenient. Some attend where they do attend because that's where they've always attended. They couldn't imagine attending anywhere else. Others attend where they perceive that they'll get their way, right? And if they don't, they'll try somewhere else. Now, now some of these reasons, again, to attend where one attends can have measures of legitimacy. It may make sense to worship close rather than far away. And, And devotion to one's church has its virtues. Of course it does. It speaks to commitment, and it, and, and it can be a beautiful thing when family and friends over generations and over time can worship together harmoniously. But you could also have a church, while friendly, that's heretical. They could be the friendliest bunch in the world and spew error left and right. You could allow your church loyalty to come at the cost of loyalty to Christ because what's most important is your church and not the head of the church. You could worship close by because you figure that one church is just as good as another. If that's the reason you're doing it, then you're not using a primary reason and you want to just make things easy for yourself. And yet none of these things have been considered the ultimate test of a church. Confessionally. Or primary tests of a church, or the marks of the true church, either scripturally or confessionally. Scripture calls us to test the spirits for truth. For truth. We don't te- now we don't test the spirits for perfection in the church. It's like we confess the church is on this side of glory, and we will always have the false mixed with the true, and in reality, the true may be found mixed in the false, but But what marks the true church focuses on what is proclaimed by the leadership. All the marks that are mentioned here about the church of Jesus Christ have to do with what the church is called to proclaim and to administer. What marks a true church is not that Aunt Betsy attends there or that their band rocks or that everyone holds perfectly to what I want or what you want, or it's because that's the place where you can cry or that's the place you can laugh. The true church isn't the biggest. It's not the closest. It's not the oldest. It's not the newest. The true true church, simply put, is the church that purely proclaims the truth of God's word. And everything follows after that. Even our confession states that. That in a nutshell, this is all about the Word of God. Proclaiming it, then confirming it through the sacrament, and upholding it through the exercise of Christian discipline. Now, of course, if one is supposed to find such a church of truth, then 
a person needs in turn to be avoiding churches when that, where those things aren't happening. That's part of the testing of the spirits to see if they are from God. In John's day, there's plenty of reason for falsehood of which one had to be aware already, right? The denial of the resurrection. The idea that you could be made right with God by what you did. Denying Christ's divinity. And in our case here, denying that Jesus Christ came in the flesh as a human being. Fully human being. People were being persuaded to follow leaders that shouldn't be followed. Rather than the words of the apostles. And that happens, of course, today as well, don't we? Doesn't it? We're often called to be hoodwinked, right? You can get that if you have the internet and you have email and you go to your junk folder and you are being called all day long to be hoodwinked. I get hundreds of that all the time. <laughs> but there are plenty in the spiritual realm that are doing the same thing. They are calling you to be hoodwinked. And you can pick it up everywhere. Just because somebody's on TV does not make them the truth. Just because they've got a lot of followers, just because they're popular, doesn't make them true. There's plenty out there who are calling people to be hoodwinked. We're called to follow that way the apostate rather than the apostles. Like John says here. Those who are of God listen to us. And he means the apostolic word. They listen to scripture. They listen to the apostolic word. We're called to follow the culture's sway rather than the word's way. The creedal way. That we've been called to confess in the word. Right? He who confesses Jesus came in the flesh is from God. That's a confession, a creedal way, not the cultural sway. Some want us to follow the calendar page rather than the pages of the scripture. What's modern is what matters. No, what scripture says matters. Just like John would say, we're called to follow the spirit of Antichrist versus Christ, the spirit of error versus the spirit of truth. The point of view of the world rather than the point of view of the Word of God. And when considering what church we should join, we, we need to do so with the presumption that in the world we have false and truth. It's not just near and far away. It's not just family and friends. It's not just old or new. It's false and true. The proclamation of what is true and the proclamation of what is false. Is the word being honored where I am attending or isn't it? Is it even being proclaimed? Are Bibles even being opened? Is where I'm attending a place where the sacraments are properly recognized and properly utilized in accordance with the word of God? is discipline for the honor of God, for the benefit of the individual, for the, for the benefit of Christ's body, for the light to the world, is that being administered? Or is it being abused or neglected? 
We also need to be asking ourselves to what are we connecting ourselves as, as members when we join the local body that we do. A lot of people don't even think about that. We're called to be discerning about the ties that bind us. Not just to the local body, but to the, the, the broader relationships. Denominational bodies, interdenominational bodies. What are we connecting ourselves to? What are we associating with? Do we get beyond our walls? And think about that when we make a choice. It's easy to minimize those things. It happens all the time. It does. But it's part of the testing of the spirits of discerning members of Christ's body. There's also a calling here beyond testing the spirits for the truth within the church leadership, but also within the church membership. This is something to which we're all called, right, in self-examination, that we be honest with ourselves as to why it is that we are members of Christ's visible church. Because just because, and we all know that, right, that just because somebody is on the rolls of the church doesn't make that person a true member. Any more than a, a church is a true church just because that church calls itself church. And it points out again, of course, that, that, that no true church is a pure church. Churches and their members have their faults and their shortcomings. And they don't always carry out what they ought to do and, and, or carry out what they do perfectly. They don't. If we think we're without sin, we deceive ourselves that way. Indeed, as the confession reminds us, hypocrites are mixed within the church and there remains great infirmities in each church member. Right? Because it's like what goes on culturally, right? Everybody else has got something wrong with them. But I don't. And there's great infirmities that remain, you know, for all of us. Whether it's leaders or members, all find themselves wanting when it comes to the perfect life lived out here on earth. If any people could say, if you're looking for a perfect church, you're not going to find it. If you're going to look for a perfect member, you're not going to find it either. Or a perfect minister. You're not going to find it. And yet while there's, there's no perfect members, there are qualities that mark the true ones. Right? That's important. Such are the ones that, that have a faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior and in the power of such faith, faith they strive to please God and fight the good fight of faith and to love God and love neighbor. It's not that they, they don't sin, but they realize it and they're penitent. The false member joins for the wrong reasons. Right? There's always that risk of that, right? And it always, you know, you go through a way in which you bring, you know, call people to make professions of faith, and there, there, there is a process, right? And it, it's also true about, you know, what we, we see at, at classes meetings when you have interviews for people who are going to become ministers of the word. 
You go through a process, but it's not foolproof. It isn't. You try to be as foolproof as you can be. You try to be as responsible as you can be. But people end up disappointing you. Right? Oh, I have to stop saying right. I'm saying that a lot tonight. Um, <laughs> sorry. But false members join for the wrong reasons. They, they, they're those that are called the hypocrite. He joined to look good. He joined for the praise of men. He joined so somebody got off their back. They joined so that they could get something out of joining. They knew that if they could join, they could get this. That, that happens a lot, or enough times to disappoint. They joined as a means to their own end. And maybe even, as it happens, as John knows it too, to infiltrate the body. The false member could also then be one who has apostatized, who, who turns from his original confession of the truth to what's false. That can happen. That, that happened in John's day. It could be an apostasy of word or of deed. It could also be that the false member is found in the false church that teaches the wrong from the beginning and is followed in kind by those who adhere to that falsehood. And while such marks are mentioned for our own self-examination, they're also mentioned so that the church leadership can be on the ball, right? Can be on the lookout. For as we mentioned, for the glory of God, for the benefit of these people who might err in doctrine or in life, for the welfare of the body of Christ, for the, the light it's, that's to shine out to the world, the distinction between false and truth, true membership needs to be made plain as much as possible. Like the membership, the leadership needs to be testing the spirits for the truth to see if they be of God. And that's what's confessed and that what is confessed, I should say, and, and what is lived out continues to be confessed and lived in accordance with that original profession in response to the word of God that marks the true church of Christ. As leaders and as members of Christ's church, then, there is a calling to test the spirits for the truth within the church of Jesus Christ. Members are called to be found where the truth of the gospel word of Jesus Christ is found and where it's honored by the leadership. They take the word of God seriously. And leaders are called to honor that truth in its ministry of the word, sacraments, and, and discipline. And they carry that out towards those called to honor God's saving truth, both in what they believe and what they do as members. And all of that is in line with the apostolic calling here that says to us, dear friends, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are of God. We've got that responsibility as church leaders and as church members. 
May God help us and give us the wisdom to carry out that discernment as God's called us to do.